I'm Carrie Miller. Each week, I have a brand new episode of Big Books and Bold Ideas, a show where readers meet writers. You can catch it on Fridays or stream it anytime you're ready to listen. But every week, we also give you a deep track, a conversation with a writer from the archives. Now, you may hear a writer whose work gives context to the fresh episode, or you may hear a previous show with the same author. And I hope that will give you a sense of the arc of the writer's creative expression. You're here because you care about books and reading. Thank you so much for listening. Good morning. I'm Carrie Miller. Good to have you listening this morning. Maybe your day started the way mine did. Coaxing our aging shepherd, Dara, off the bed and down the stairs, where she gets a medication and a couple of glucosamine tablets with her breakfast before we coax her outside. I tweeted a couple of pictures of her earlier this week and then another one just this morning. Dara's back legs are stiff. She's gone white around the muzzle. But we still see the puppy in her. Loving a dog into old age is one of the pleasures and poignant realities of having a dog or two in your life. The New York Times recently ran a piece about new research on how dogs age. And since the 9 a.m. team loves dogs, we thought this was a terrific opportunity to talk about them. Here's a morsel from the Times story that draws from some research in Austria. The most intriguing part of this study is that like people, some dogs are just born old, which is to say relatively steady and mature, the kind of pup that just seems ready for a Mr. Rogers cardigan. So as our scientists join us, if you love and live with an aging dog, I want to hear from you. What have you noticed about the way your dog is aging? Is her personality changing? is yours. What do you want to know about the research on canine aging? So if you have an aging dog in your household, I'd love to see a photo, first of all. But I'm also curious to hear what you've noticed about the way your dog is aging. Are you seeing changes in personality? What do you want to know about the ongoing research on aging canines? Here's the phone number 651-227-6000, 800-242-2828, and on Twitter, at Carrie NPR. Dr. Daniel Promislow is with us, co-director of the Dog Aging Project at the University of Washington, Seattle, with us from Boston. Dr. Promislow, welcome. Good to have you on the show. Oh, I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Dr. Kellen McNulty is with us, a veterinarian and researcher with the Dog Aging Project and with us from College City, Texas. And Dr. McNulty, welcome to you. Good to have you on the show. Thank you very much. I'm very honored to be here. Dr. McNulty, I want to start with dog personalities because... We, When we talk about the way kids develop, we talk about nature and nurture. How much does nature and nurture influence the way a dog's personality develops? How much do you know about that? That's a fantastic question and certainly something that we are you know, actively investigating. And that's really a question that we all have as dog owners and dog lovers is how much in the way that we train them, does that affect their personality? How much in just the way that they're born affects their personality. And really to answer those questions, we really need to kind of dig deeper into, you know, what is cognitive function in dogs? How can we measure it? And how can we, you know, compare dogs between breeds, between 
um, different genders, dogs with different backgrounds. And so really, I think your question is one that we're still investigating. Dr. Promislow, it sounds like from what Dr. McNulty just said, you are still measuring and still having questions about dogs' cognitive capabilities. Is that right? In fact, we're we're really just at the beginning. Um, really? We at the Dog Aging Project are just at the beginning, and I think that the field is just at the beginning. Um, we we work closely with. We have a big team of about seventy people. Um, one of our collaborators, Eleanor Carlson, at the Broad Institute at Harvard and MIT and and UMass Medical College, um, has been doing some research on the genetics of of behavior and there's she's finding that there are strong genetic signatures to behaviors in dogs but that doesn't explain everything so uh, there's a lot that you can't do it's it's just the the chance that what you know what genetically your dog happens to inherit from its parents but also environment is going to be really important too and we certainly see that we we have uh very sweet uh, one-and-a-half-year-old uh, curly coat retriever mix that we rescued this year during the pandemic. He's a really nervous little guy, and we have no doubt that that has something to do with the environment that he grew up in. So it's really genes and environment. I'm going to come back to the genes because I was reading about some research on that. But let's take some calls first to Jason in Duluth. Hi, Jason. Really glad you called. Hi, can you hear me? Yeah, we can. What do you want to know? Okay, I'm a, So I do a lot of work with dogs up here, and I find that um, dogs kind of hitting that four, five, even six-month age kind of hit um, what I've read to be is a, an adolescent period in their, in their development, and they express it kind of like having adolescent kids. So I'm lucky. I have adolescent <laughs> kids at home, uh-huh. and I work with adolescent dogs at, at work, so I get yelled at all the time, and it's, it's delightful. <laughs> um, <laughs> but is there, is there some really solid research on that? I read one article regarding it, and I was curious if you guys had any input. Dr. McNulty, teenage dogs, are they like teenage kids? That's a great question, and unfortunately, that is still something we are looking into. Um, there certainly are parallels between dog aging and human aging. And there are some studies that suggest that, you know, dogs reach adolescence rather quickly and then kind of plateau for the vast majority of their life. Um, But yeah, that's absolutely something that we're looking into and something that is fascinating because, you know, the personality and behaviors of an adolescent dog and an adolescent person are very different than, you know, a puppy or an adult and also, you know, are parallels that we can potentially investigate. And that's the amazing thing about the Dog Aging Project is that the things that we discover about dogs oftentimes are very relatable to humans and can help us, you know, not only benefit their lives, but benefit our lives and our understandings of ourselves, even. I'm so happy to hear that. Dr. McNulty, I I was reading 2019 research from the Dog Aging Project, and I think the University of Arizona at Tucson, that said that scientists were able to narrow down some behaviors to specific genes that are associated with breeds. And just a bit from, from the paper trainability, chasing, and a tendency to be aggressive towards strangers were the most highly heritable traits. So when we see that in a dog, what, we can often 
assume that that is something that is natural to the breed? Um, so I'll, I'll jump in here. Okay, sure. Really, really interesting question. So uh, a couple of things I'll mention, and, um, and this might be interesting to the caller too. One, one of the things that we've learned, and I think this comes from the Austrian group that you mentioned at uh -huh. the top of the hour, and also from uh, Dr. Carlson's work that I mentioned, there are some traits that seem to be pretty fixed for the whole life of all dogs. So for example, um, how affectionate your dog is. There are, there are some dogs that are super affectionate and, and other dogs that um, we might uh, think are a little bit more like uh, some cats, maybe a little more independent. <laughs> and that kind of behavior seems to be pretty steady for the whole life. And then there are other behaviors that seem to, to change with age. Um, so that, that's one thing. The other thing that we're learning is that a lot of behaviors that we think of as breed specific do have genetic determinants, that there are genes that influence the behavior, but it's not necessarily by breed. So we might think that one breed is more likely to be aggressive than another breed, for example, or one breed has a better memory than another breed. And in fact, more than breed specific, it is we, we can identify genetic uh, contributors to those behaviors, oh. but they're not necessarily breed specific. They're, they're, we, we can see those dogs with uh, better memory or worse memory across all breeds. And that's something new that we're learning from this genetic research. So it sounds like when you, you know, I, I've probably gone around saying, I know shepherds are smart and our Dara is among the smartest. Are you saying that you will find cognitive, high levels of cognitive capability across a lot of breeds? Well, first of all, I believe you that your pup is one of the smartest, for sure. <laughs> Good. <laughs> We're going to get um, on just fine here, Dr. Promislo. <laughs> and that, that's, that is um, what we're saying. I think it's also really important to appreciate that, and we certainly think about this when we think about behavior and activity levels, that in our dogs, there's no right or wrong behavior. Um, you know, we don't want to say that this is better or worse, that, that each dog is unique. And we're interested in really discovering what the genetic and environmental factors are that make each dog unique. This is a conversation, if you've just gotten in on it, on canine research, specifically on aging dogs. A lot of us are living and loving aging dogs in our household. And I spotted this article a couple of weeks ago in the New York Times, and I thought, hey, any chance to talk about dogs? And this is really interesting, what researchers like our guests are learning about the way dogs age and how that, uh, how that compares in some ways with the way humans age. Dr. Daniel Promislow with us from the Dog Aging Project at the University of Washington, Seattle, and Dr. Kellen McNulty, a veterinarian and researcher with the Dog Aging Project out of College City, Texas. Now, I'm seeing a lot of photos on Twitter. I love this of your aging dogs. I'm also interested if you're loving and living with an aging dog in your household, what have you noticed about the way your dog is aging? Are you seeing 
personality changes? What do you want to know about what the research is saying about the way canines canines age? And uh, as our guests have alluded to, that some of the assumptions uh, that they that they came into the dog aging project with have been changed have been have been upended by the research that they're doing. So, what do you want to know? about the way dogs age and what the research is saying. 800-242-2828 anywhere in the upper Midwest, 651-227-6000. And on Twitter, at Carrie, K-E-R-R-I-M-P-R to Tor in Hudson. Tor, thanks so much for waiting. What are you curious about? Hey, good morning, Carrie. Well, we uh, we have a 14-year-old uh, dog in our house who has all the symptoms of, you know, aging, stiff back legs, a little more lethargic, doesn't eat as much. And a week and a half ago, we introduced a puppy into our household. And like old people who hang out with, with younger people, our, our dog is, our older dog is completely uh, changed a lot of her, her habits. One is eating. Yep. She's eating like she's never ate before. That could be a competitive thing, but she is moving around, running a lot more and actually playing with this puppy. So what I want to know is, is there any research on older dogs being positively affected by uh, having a puppy in the house? Wow. I'm so glad you called because we've debated this in our own household. So Dr. McNulty, what do we know about this? Yeah, that's a great question. So I'm not sure if that specific question has been investigated, but what I can say from my experience is I've seen it both ways. So I've definitely seen the older dog who is very encouraged by the young puppy to get up and get out and do, you know, fun things again. But I have also seen the older dog that's very set in their ways, that's very, you know, wants to be king of the house and doesn't necessarily like to share that title with a young uh, whippersnapper. And so sometimes I do find that, you know, older dogs are a little less happy about a new individual in their household especially, you know, when they're trying to sleep and the puppy wants to play. And (laughs) sometimes it can cause a little bit of tension. Um, So I think that kind of goes back to our discussion of, you know, difference in personality and difference in behavior between dogs. I think that goes to how older dogs handle younger dogs. Some handle them great um, and others maybe not so well. Uh, we have some a lot of tweets here, and I'm trying to go through them. Cheryl says um, her dog is 14 and a half years old, still enjoys her walks, but not starting from our home. She loves walks and parks, absolutely refuses to leave our driveway. Behavior started to change about a year ago. Dr. Promislow, when do you start to see, I notice this in our aging dog, that she's she's a little shyer, she's a little less secure is uh is how I describe that. Is there are you observing some research about how the dog's personality and maybe fears develop as they age? Yeah, thanks for that question. Um so we're really interested in how just just as people when they get into their older years can have some cognitive challenges we see that in many dogs as well. In fact, there's something called canine cognitive dysfunction. Mm. Um, we even see things like dogs um, getting lost in the home, um, having a hard time finding, remembering where their food is, 
Um, so there are all kinds of changes that can happen. We don't know a lot about it. We actually are doing some research um, on our team, just starting to ask uh, whether there are uh, some similarities at the biological level in dogs like the kinds of biological changes that we see in the brain in Alzheimer's patients, for example. Wow. Uh, so uh, there are, we're very interested in this. Um, and I, I do want to point out, we can come back to this later, that we're, we're still enrolling dogs and we're oh. excited not only for uh, your listeners to sign up their older dogs, but also for, for those of your listeners who have puppies. We welcome dogs of all ages. Um, we're really just beginning and we're going to be following these dogs for their entire lives. So we're excited to talk about aging dogs here, but we can also learn a lot about what determines how well a dog ages or how many challenges it has as it ages from what their experience is early in life. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Let, remind me towards the end of the conversation and we'll get a website from you to where people can sign up. Okay. I wasn't aware that you were enrolling dogs. It's great. Uh, to Paul in Minnetonka. Hi, Paul. Uh, good morning. This Hi. is a, a timely, uh, timely discussion. Good. We have a 17 uh, year old, uh, dog. Wow. Um, we've we got her when she was four, and we were her fourth owners. Mm -hmm. And she's always been great. And um, when we brought her into the house, we had a lab who unfortunately passed away three years ago at thirteen. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, our remaining dog suffered some grief when when Bella died, and now she's kind of uh, it seems like she has dementia because many times she doesn't know who I am anymore or where she is, and she doesn't see very well and doesn't hear very well, sleeps most of the time, but loves her walks every day, still eats. And um, so it's just kind of interesting to see her um, age, and we're trying to make her as comfortable as possible. So, Paul, I was wondering if there's, can I yeah. ask you just one question? Are you sure. So you are convinced that it's not just the failing eyesight, that your dog really doesn't recognize you? Correct. There are times when we're walking, um, and she'll look at me up from the end of the leash like, who are you, and what are you doing with me? <laughs> <laughs> Dr. McNulty, have, have you seen, have you observed that with some dogs that, that their cognitive abilities are diminishing? Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. So just as, just as uh, Daniel had mentioned, you know, canine cognitive dysfunction is something that we are more and more recognizing and more and more learning about as time goes on and as research proceeds. And actually that is one of the defining characteristics is loss of memory. And one of the ways that they will demonstrate that is kind of failure to recognize familiar people or familiar pets. And, you know, similar to Alzheimer's, there's quite a spectrum of behaviors and changes that you can see. And one of the biggest questions is, and one of the things that makes it difficult as a veterinarian dealing with these things is, is that because of aging, truly just an aging change, or is there a disease process going on with some of these behaviors? Because, you know, some behaviors absolutely, you know, appear to be truly just related to aging changes, which, again, can be similar to Alzheimer's. Um, but then there are other disease processes that can cause similar behaviors. So it's, it's challenging to try and 
suss out which one you're dealing with because you know sometimes the ultimate answer requires rather invasive or more advanced diagnostics such as you know an MRI to actually look at the brain and you know we certainly don't want to put every aged dog through an MRI machine so um, so it is challenging and that's something that we're hoping to learn more about is are there subtle nuances that are present in disease states that cause these changes versus just the true aging process itself. Dr. Promislo, I noticed that our dog lover also mentioned that the remaining dog was experiencing grief. How would, have, have you seen that? Does that, does that happen? So we're, we're just beginning to collect survey information from our participants. We actually have uh, now more than 20,000 people who have completed surveys. Um, these are dog owners from all around the country. And so we, we don't yet know from our own studies um, how we, we haven't yet asked people about how their dogs respond to loss of other dogs in the home. Um, but we're really interested in that. And, and in general, I mean, there, one of the things that I just love about this project is that it's, it allows us to ask questions about so much, not only of the dog experience, but also of the human experience. And I think the previous caller spoke beautifully. You could hear in his voice, the sense of compassion and empathy that he has for this dog as it's changing. And I just want to underscore how valuable this is that as dogs age, it gives us and our children an opportunity to learn compassion and empathy for individuals around us as they're changing with age. And I, I just thought it was uh, captured by that previous caller. That's a really good point. I noticed that your website says something that was a little surprising to me, that, that there is no clearly defined standard for successful dog aging. Uh, why? Um, so I'll introduce the topic and then maybe Dr. McNulty can add to this. Okay. Um, so in human medicine, as your listeners know, we have so many different specialties uh, you know, we start out experiencing the specialties of obstetrics and pediatrics when we're little kids and on all the way through uh, sports medicine and uh, ophthalmology up to geriatrics as we get into our older years. Veterinary medicine, too, has many, many different specialties. But one of the specialties we don't yet have in veterinary medicine is geriatrics. And, and so the, the goal of the work that Dr. McNulty is doing is really to develop a better understanding of what happens as dogs age, which we have in human medicine, but not in veterinary medicine. Dr. McNulty, what would you add? Yeah. Yeah. So absolutely. That is one of the key foundations of this project is understanding aging in dogs. Because as one of our previous callers said, you know, you can see the, the gray muzzle. You can see that they're a little bit stiff in their back end. But what does it really mean when you say that a dog is, is old or is experiencing this, you know, effects of aging? And so just as Daniel had said, um, on the human side, there are specific metrics that physicians will use to define different characteristics of aging, such as frailty, which is, you know, kind of a, a physiologic decline that, again, it's one of those things, if you look at an older human being and you can say, oh, he or she looks frail, 
But what does that really mean? And how can we measure that? And how can we follow that over time so that we can intervene to help improve that state of being and also determine whether our interventions are helpful? And so the Dog Aging Project is very much involved in trying to develop these metrics for dogs. So we're trying to understand what does frailty look like in dogs and how can we measure it and how can we intervene? What chronic diseases do dogs most commonly get and how do that, do they affect how they age? How do those diseases interact with each other? You know, is a dog that has heart disease and kidney disease going to have more struggle than a dog who has heart disease and diabetes. Mm. And so all of these interactions um, are things that we are very much invested in learning about. And, you know, as a practicing veterinarian, the really exciting thing about this is that I will then have metrics to measure these factors in my patients. I will be able to proactively identify you know, this dog is aging a little bit worse than this one. So I need to intervene and and make changes to make this better. And so that's ultimately what it's all about. Yeah, that, that is really comforting to hear, because as I was thinking about these metrics and developing them, I was thinking, so how how do veterinarians, you know, how would this change the the practice of veterinarians uh, in caring mm-hmm. for aging dogs. And this this research is going to go right out there into the field, it sounds like. Yeah, absolutely. Good. So yeah, these metrics that we are developing are going to, they're meant to be used by practicing veterinarians to benefit their patients. We're having a conversation, if you've just gotten in on this, about the research going on at the Dog Aging Project on aging canines. Boy, a lot of us have them. I'm seeing tons of great Twitter photos here, and you're asking some excellent questions. We're we're hearing this morning about how this research is developing, and the Dog Aging Project is enrolling new dogs. We'll get the website here in just a minute. I want to hear from you about what you've noticed about the way your dog is aging. If you get a busy signal on the phone lines, give us a couple minutes. I'm getting to as many questions as we can, and then call us back, because I think this is all important information for our guests, Dr. Daniel Promislow and Dr. Kellen McNulty with us this morning from the Dog Aging Project. We have a lot of questions here about dogs' personalities maybe becoming more aggressive as they age. So let me take a question here from Chelsea in Minneapolis. Hi, Chelsea. Thanks so much for waiting through the news break. Much appreciated. Oh, no problem. It was such a delight to turn on my car today and have to see what you guys were talking about. <laughs> good, so, good. Um, I would love to um, know if there's been any, I've got two shepherds at home, a seven and an 11 year old. And the younger one, all of a sudden, kind of out of the blue, started resource guarding food and mostly from the other, his brother, the other dog or um, the older dog, or, you know, it occasionally would happen if we were at, it happened one time at a barbecue, it's always been against another animal or um, his brother. And um, yeah, it just, it comes out of the blue and it's, it's actually, it can be kind of scary because he just becomes a totally different dog. And I'd love to know if you guys are, if you, if that's part of your studying, I'm sure it is, but um, if you have any uh, information about that. And this is just around the food, not the rest of the time, Chelsea? No, it's, um, we, and we've controlled environmental factors too. Like it could be around a garbage can too, ah, but like if huh. he gets bottlenecked in the kitchen or, 
Um, and it's okay. not even usually around his own food. It could be around, you know, at the first time it happened, it was around a bag of popcorn that our friends had because we were all sitting around watching television. So, yeah. Dr. Promislow, what do you yeah. think? What do you hear in that? I, I'm going to pass this one over to the veterinarian, Dr. <laughs> yeah, Dr. McNulty. No have at no it. Problem. I can take it. So, I mean, to answer your question, the beginning part about, you know, whether aggressiveness can be seen as dogs age, certainly it can. It is one of the behavioral changes that we can see. And it's one of the ones that is kind of in the syndrome of cognitive dysfunction in certain circumstances. Again, like I had mentioned before, it sometimes is hard to know exactly what the cause is of these behavior changes that you see. For instance, some dogs show signs of aggressiveness or irritability, maybe not because of somebody taking something from them, but in the process of doing so, you know, you jostle them a little bit and they're actually a little bit painful. And so they show signs for that reason. Um, But as far as, you know, resource guarding and um, interactions with other dogs, unfortunately, that definitely can change as dogs age and we can see those. And exactly why and to what degree and which dogs display that, those are the questions we're still waiting to answer. Um, But sometimes, you know, talking with your veterinarian about cases like that, especially if, you know, there's becoming conflict enough that you're worried that, you know, they might injure each other. Um, just like you said, you know, it sounds like you're already attempting to kind of keep them in their own spaces, which is very wise. Um, but talking to your vet too, because, you know, they know your dogs even better, um, obviously than I would. And so they can sometimes help provide, you know, suggestions and, um, things that can help with those interactions that are becoming, you know, problematic. Dr. Promislow, I was reading a book earlier this year that, on dog behavior that said that newish research shows that dogs want praise from their family as much as they want treats, which really, you know, I've always had this this kind of belief that dogs are mostly food driven, right? You can get them to do almost anything for a treat. This really opened my eyes and, and, and changed the way, you know, that I am loving on and praising Ardera. What, what, what do you make of that? I saw that too, and I thought that was fascinating. Um, and I come back to to why it's so interesting for us to study dogs, and that is they are so variable. Um, so I, I think that's a really interesting result. Um, in my family's experience, um, we we once had a dog that clearly did not care about anything other than food Hmm. (laughs) 24-7. And he would have, if he could have broken into a 50-pound bag of food and he would have done that. And then our our other dog who just turned 15, uh, who's uh, clearly slowing down, has never cared much about food um, and is much more, clearly much more interested in praise. Hmm. So Hmm. I think it's a really interesting question I have no doubt, though, that that there's a lot of variation, and and that's one of the reasons that studying dogs is so interesting. Obviously, part of what motivates us is that people love dogs, and we want to learn about dog aging because of the kinds of callers that we've heard from who love their dogs, but also because, like us, dogs are incredibly variable, different breeds 
suffer from different diseases. There are breeds that are at high risk of cancer and other breeds that will never get cancer, but will get heart disease and, hmm. and so on. So they're, they're as variable as us. And what we learn about dogs is likely to teach us not only about dogs, but also about ourselves. So it's all about variation and, and appreciating that some of our dogs might be really praise motivated. But if, if you're a listener out there who thinks, no, my dog just wants that treat, that could well be true as well. <laughs> I can hear this is work that's really fulfilling to both of you. Uh, to the phones to Marilyn in Egan. Hi, Marilyn. Hi, good morning. Good morning. What's your question? Well, I just wanted, first of all, to say how glad I am to have my dog enrolled in the project. Oh. I have a nine-year-old uh, rescue yellow lab, Maggie May, and uh, she's about actually nine and a half, and she's dog number 12,880. <laughs> so, okay. I say thank you to both your guests this morning <laughs> for for having this research project going, and I guess uh, maybe just for the benefit of other people who might be calling in, I'm, and maybe I missed a little bit of the early part of your program, but if you can talk a little bit in, in general about how what the future can look like for what you're learning about human aging uh, as, it, as it pertains to how it affects our lives because okay. of the way we live with our dogs and, okay. the, and the, the interactions. And, and good job getting your dog enrolled, Marilyn. So, oh, I'm so excited. I worked in clinical research uh, for years, and so it was important to me to keep on uh, doing this wow. with the dog. Good, good for you. Uh, so, Dr. Promisler, Dr. McNulty, who wants to tackle the aging human and dog correlations there? I'd love to give that a All shot. Right. Um, I'm certainly Daniel can tag in, too. Um, but the fascinating thing about the work that we're doing and studying dogs is exactly like this caller said that there is so much relation that is translatable to human health. It's just remarkable. You know, dogs share so many things with us. You know, they share a similar physiology. Um, they share similar chronic diseases, arthritis, cancer, dementia, and they live in our environment. Um, and as we know, you know, some people share quite a bit with their dog, you know, ice cream, beds, mm -hmm. exercise, you know, <laughs> uh -huh. everything. So we share so much with our dogs. And unfortunately, you know, the, the fact of the matter is that they age faster than us, which is, of course, very sad for us as owners. But as researchers, we um, can learn from them so much quicker than we can learn from humans um, in all of these age-related changes. And so, we can make groundbreaking discoveries both to benefit humans and dogs just simply by the fact that we can study dogs and see their aging changes happen faster. And so we can learn about them quicker and thus develop interventions that will benefit both species. And it's absolutely, like you said, it's so rewarding to be part of a project like this. And we are extremely excited for how it's going to benefit dogs and people for years to come. Dr. Promislow, what do you want to add to that? Um, yeah, the, so um, it's a great question. And there's, a, there's a, another aspect that, that is really complementary to what Dr. McNulty was just talking about. And that is the opportunity to learn about how 
as we age, having a dog in our lives might help us. For example, we're, we're very interested in, and, and other people are as well, in how having a dog might encourage us to remain more active. Um, it might also be good for our, our mental, our psychological well-being, having a dog in our midst. Absolutely. And also how experiencing aging secondhand as we watch it in our dogs might help us to learn about how to feel better about the challenges that we face as we age. So there, there, there's such rich richness in the possibility of the, the, the human dog interaction as we age and our dogs age, not just in terms of learning about the underlying biology that Dr. McNulty talked about. And, and we haven't even talked about all the biology that we're going to be doing in the project, but also about the, the psychological and, and personal uh, emotional experience of this process. Dr. Promiso, how do you sign up if you have a dog and how many dogs do you need for your ongoing research? So the sky is the limit. Um, it's very easy wow. to sign up. If okay. you go to dogagingproject.org, our website, you'll see a nominate button, and that's how you get started. Um, the, the, the research, like many long-term longitudinal studies in people that started in the 1940s here in this country and are still going on, we hope this will be a for, forever project. All the dogs that enroll, we will study for the rest of their lives, and we hope to continue to be funded by the National Institute on, on Aging. Um, so all you have to do is sign up your dog at dogagingproject.org. We'll then ask you to fill out a survey telling us all about the dog. And a smaller set of dogs, we can't afford all of them, the smaller set will be invited to provide genetic material so we can sequence the genomes and also to uh, go to their veterinarian and provide us with biological samples that we can then do molecular biology on to really identify the kind of molecular predictors to understand what lies in the future for each individual dog. You, know, uh, you mentioned the genome. I th it, it was fully sequenced for dogs in 2005. Is that right? That's right. And, yeah, and, and did, so, it, did it change a lot of assumptions that uh, the people that do the kind of research you do about what you'd find? Well, we're, we're still learning a lot about the dog genome. Um, in many ways, it's quite similar to the human genome. There's a lot of overlap. Many yeah. of the genes that we have, dogs also have. People have already begun mapping disease traits in dogs. Um, the the breed structure of dogs, of course, makes their genome quite different in, in some technical ways that we don't have time to go into. But the similarity of the dog genome makes it a, a really great model, not only for dogs, but also to teach us about disease risk in, in humans. Uh, I don't know if Dr. McNulty wants to add anything to that. No, I think you pretty much covered it very thoroughly. At call for you here, Dr. McNulty from Jody in Mankato. Yes. Hi, Jody. Hi. Hi. I love the sub subject. I have a 14 and a half year old um, uh, beagle who has been quiet. Um, he doesn't bark much. We've had him since a puppy. 
And about the last nine months to a year of his life, he's getting more vocal. Um, instead of like ringing the bell to go outside mm-hmm. on a door, um, he will bark or he'll bark mm-hmm. for attention. And we're wondering if by, <laughs> by chance it's because his hearing is going ah. and, he, and he needs to be, get with the big babe to get attention. What do you think, Dr. McDulty? Yeah, that's a great question. And to be honest, I think that's going to be a hard one to to tell. What I can say is certainly we do find changes in vocalization and changes in the way, you know, they interact with us in when they tell us they need to go outside. Um, you know, some dogs even begin to have accidents in the house. And so those changes absolutely we see in older dogs to your question of whether it's because he is having difficulty hearing or not, that one's probably going to be pretty hard to, to suss out um, because I think hearing loss is a very common thing that we see in older dogs. And I think it certainly is, is possible that that is part of the reason why dogs begin to vocalize as they aren't hearing, you know, feedback the way that they used to. My, my older pup um, who's unfortunately passed away, um, but she, she was interesting. We, I think we had her for about two years before she ever barked. We rescued her and we did, just didn't think that she was ever going to bark. And then she did. And in her middle ages, she, she barked a bit. But then actually when she got older, she didn't bark as much. But what she would do is if we put her outside and she was ready to come in, she would stand at the bottom of the stairs and there would be one single wolf. <laughs> I am ready to come in. And I find that older dogs sometimes do get a little demanding and, you know, a little set in their ways. But um, I think it certainly could be multiple reasons why older dogs vocalize. It could be because they can't hear, because they're nervous or anxious, because we know that can happen with older dogs, um, or just simply because they want more attention. Can I just jump in here? Yeah. Um, so one of the really exciting things for for Kellen and me and the whole team is that no one previously has had the opportunity to ask so many people around the country about their dogs. And so we now will have the opportunity to ask tens of thousands of people around the country questions like, how often does your dog bark? Does Does it bark more now than it did a year ago? And so these are, these are, Great questions. And and one of the cool things that we're excited about is that a few years from now, we're actually going to be able to say to the caller, well, either we see this or we don't see this a lot in beagles and so on. So we're pretty excited about this. Dr. Promiso, Dr. McNulty, thank you so much for the hour. This has just been wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting us. This was really fun. To enroll your dog, it's dogagingproject.org. That's right. Blended whiskey down when this old gray black gentleman was cleaning up the lounge. There wasn't anyone around except this old man and me, the guy who ran the bar was watching. Ironsides on TV Uninvited He sat down And opened up his mind On old dogs and children 
and watermelon.